This is episode number 39, the answers to all of those questions about plant-based diets with Jackson and Aaron, the hosts of Thought for Food podcast. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about mindset, plant-based nutrition, and inspiring stories. My purpose of the show is to give you the tools, the elements, access to the experts to help us live the best life possible. Today's guests are pretty cool. They're my people. They are in Boulder, Colorado, where I used to live. And I've even been on their show, but we have Jackson Long and Aaron Stuber. That's how you say his last name, Stuber. (laughs) But they are the plant-based duo behind the Thought for Food podcast and Thought for Food TV, their YouTube channel. Their mission is to educate and inspire people to live healthy, compassionate, and adventurous lives through plant-based nutrition. And from following them, I can personally say that that is exactly how they live their lives. I personally enjoy their show and use it as one of my guides for staying up to date on the latest evidence-based nutritional science. They're both high-level athletes and always have interesting insight about how to be a plant-based athlete as well. They're both interesting individuals in their daily lives, too. Erin is a registered nurse and also a health and wellness coach. Jackson is an elite cyclist finishing his master's degree in applied nutrition and also has the eCornell certification for plant-based nutrition, something that I want to get. And also, Jackson has pretty much the best podcast voice I have ever heard. It's so beautiful and melodic. I love these guys because they are authentic, unpretentious, and hilarious. This was a fun episode because we talked a lot about the frequently asked questions that we get about plant-based diets, and we thought that we would share it with you guys. We talked about how they formed Thought for Food, how to be a plant-based athlete, the truth about fat, the blue zones and longevity, and how to actually know what to believe in terms of nutritional studies because there is a lot of information out there. Speaking of plant-based nutrition and all that good stuff, have you guys checked out the Facebook group? It is called the Plant Power Tribe with Sonia Looney. We have almost 800 members and everyone is welcome to join. You don't have to eat a plant-based diet. You don't have to know anything about plant-based nutrition. It's just a group, it's a space, it's a community where we can support one another to make healthy choices in our lives. And if you want more information or recipes or just to see what other people are doing to eat more plant-based foods in their diet, you can just check out the Facebook group. We'd love to see you there. I also post articles and things that I see during my day about plant-based nutrition. So if you're curious, have a look, you're invited, and we'll see you there. I can't believe the year is going by so fast already. How's it been going for you guys? Have you made some cool plans? Uh, For me, it's going pretty well. I'm pretty excited about some of the awesome structure I've created in my life so that I can be more efficient in my day. I tend to procrastinate a lot, so I'm trying to create systems so that I stop procrastinating and just get it done right away. And let me tell you, it feels a lot better when I do that. Before we get on with it, I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for listening to my show. Thank you for being a part of my community. And thank you for helping the show grow. It really makes a big difference to spread positivity and awesome messages from people who are making a difference in the world. And it's all because of you guys. So I just wanted to say thanks. And since we're on the topic of diet today, I wanted to mention our podcast sponsor, Health IQ. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for athletes and health-conscious people like us. And since we're on the topic of eating a plant-based diet, Health IQ has exclusive savings for vegans because we are at a much lower risk of mortality from diabetes, cancer, and heart disease. And if you haven't checked out the episode with Dr. Esselstyn that went out a few weeks ago, you can learn all about cancer and heart disease and how you can prevent that. But the stats are in, the research is there, and we live longer. So you might want to think about adding some of those things into your diet. They also have a special race for athletes, too, if you're not into the whole plant-based thing. So check out healthiq.com slash Sonia or mention the promo code Sonia when you talk to a Health IQ agent. All right, so let's get into the show with these guys at TFF Lifestyle. And also make sure to check out their podcast. They're pretty awesome. What's up, guys? How's it going? Good. Up in Canada. Good, eh? uh, (laughs) I'm still working on that. People from BC actually say, hey, instead of a, which is kind oh, of really? funny. 
Yeah. Well, that's so awesome. like, how's Canada? Hey. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Seems like BC is the place to be. If yeah. you're going to be in Canada, it's like the most up-to-date spot. And just beautiful. I mean, right. Yeah. This is where people want to move for sure. Yeah. Everywhere else is just sort of, you guys are just stuck in the dark ages. <laughs> you crazy Canadians. No, I don't know. The only place I've been in Canada is Vancouver. Same. Absolutely loved that city. Yeah, Vancouver is pretty awesome. There's a little bit of everything there. And the public transportation is actually really good because the traffic sucks. <laughs> yeah, right? No, it was great. We were taking, this was a long time ago, but yeah. No, the public transportation was awesome. Everyone was super nice. It was great. We had a good time. I, I would love to go to Banff mm. and spend some more time up in that area doing some backpacking, some running. But that's for another time. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like in Kelowna, I went to this, it was like a first time event over the weekend. And we usually in the summer have a farmer's market, but they had like a vegan festival, like farmer's market type festival in the winter. But we went and there were so many people there that I couldn't even walk up to any table because it'd be like five people deep. Wow. Yeah. Like I never thought that there was that kind of community here because it doesn't seem like it. But when we went to that, we thought, wow, times are a changing. Man, times yes, are, are yes they are. <laughs> times are definitely changing. Absolutely. That's really that's awesome to hear. Yeah. So I want to talk to you guys about your quest and your mission and your podcast and kind of share your story with everybody. So how did this all start? Well, Jackson, you and I were we met in the same bathroom. You and I were both having a having a <laughs> yeah, bowel movement. We, and we, I Yeah, it was just it was kind of one of those things where I kind of started sliding my foot a little bit closer to your foot. <laughs> you sort of started going the, the same way and it just, it was just magic. And, Ooh, and giving me goosebumps just, thinking about it. And we just connected over the kind of philosophy of like the difference between kind of short and long chain, you know, essential fatty acids. And we sort of really connected over this idea of, you know, the kind of evidence-based approach to plant-based. And all of that was, was shared through the stall, like divider. Yeah. And what were, we were in there for what, six hours? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a long time. Hey, plant base. I noticed you were grunting a little bit, and I was like, "Hey, I, I think I can give you some help." It's a thing called fiber. Let's talk about it. So that's a, how it all started. A, yeah, I was a pregame at that point. <laughs> no, uh, that's, all, that's all sarcasm. That is all sarcasm. If we you to, uh, if you already listen to the show, you'll be aware of of what we do. But no, none of that is true. How, how did we meet, Jackson? You like to tell this story. Yeah, it's a good story. So I was just a young whippersnapper, still am, but I was in college at the University of Colorado here in Boulder, and and I was very new to the plant-based lifestyle. I just recently kind of switched to eating more plants and was learning about it and was really fascinated by the research and and quickly, like many of us do, jump straight into the rabbit hole and, and start learning about this stuff. And I felt sort of alone, like I didn't really know anyone else. I was still bike racing at the time, full time and isolated in my team, like no one else was vegan or they just all made fun of me. And so I went to like a vegan meetup in Boulder and it was great, very helpful, but, but it was a lot of old people. And I wasn't really <laughs> like, I didn't feel very included and it's and very it was, ageist of you it was ages like i mean an old people is, is a relative term you know it but is. i guess like not old but it was just like it wasn't my people it wasn't my community and but i asked them like hey do you guys know anyone in town that is you know maybe an athlete i want to learn and make sure that i'm doing this right i don't want to you know wither away and get a protein deficiency and <laughs> all this stuff and so they said yes there's this guy named aaron stuber who's a nurse he works at Boulder Community Hospital, and he's an ultra runner, and he's super cool, and you guys should hang out. And so I emailed Aaron, and we, I basically emailed him about some of my questions, and he sent me this super long, like in-depth kind of like, you know, three-page long email about iron and talking about plant-based stuff. And I was like, oh my god, this is my dude, because I was studying physiology in school, and and so then we met up for coffee and it was just like true love ever since. And we just really connected and, you know, kind of push went to shove, as they say. And we sort of launched into partnering up in, in some capacity to create something because we're both super passionate about this sort of idea of like the evidence-based approach to nutrition and lifestyle and doing it in a fun way, making it entertaining, but also adventurous and practical and, and grounded in reason, this kind of mission-focused ideal. And 
So we kind of had a couple different ideas and then we sort of realized that, you know, we're both big podcast junkies and we felt like there was a space that needed to be filled in terms of this kind of approach in, in the science to the science and the adventurous lifestyle that's also funny and sarcastic and energetic and entertaining. And we sat down in this little cafe, which you probably know in Boulder called Alpine Modern, right on the hill in, in Boulder. And, and we kind of just crafted this idea and we had no idea what we we're doing and we still don't, but it was, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I think everything that we're doing started around this idea that we both share, which is that, you know, we believe society can do better, so much better than we're currently doing when it comes to how we treat the planet, how we treat animals, how we treat ourselves. And one of the best ways to solve so many of the current problems in the world is with a sort of plant-based lifestyle. And so we took that passion that we already had and we we said, what is the best way to get this idea out there in a sort of non-dogmatic, non-preachy, judgmental way? Keep it focused on science and evidence and reason and logic. And so we basically formulated the podcast around those sort of tenets. And that is what we try to stay grounded in now is just what do we believe? What is the idea and how can we make this fun and approachable for everybody? Yeah, you guys definitely have a really fun and approachable podcast, and there's lots of great information in it, too. Yeah, I wanted to have you guys on the show because my podcast is about, I'd say, like a third plant-based, but a lot of people want more information. And actually, like the top episodes so far of the show, the top three have been talking to guests where we talk about plant-based nutrition and lifestyle. Yeah, the times they are changing. Like we said, you know, it's, it's people are really interested, and especially athletes. And I think... What's so cool about, you know, just seeing even mainstream news where a lot of big athletes like, you know, the Kyrie Irvings of the world and, you know, especially in kind of the endurance world where there's sort of this new awakening towards the plant-based lifestyle. And even and even in, you know, I've only been vegan for like less than four years. And even from the, the time that I started to now, it's been this like crazy shift, this just crazy acceleration of athletes and and I felt so alone in, you know, my own little world, my own little microcosm here in Boulder, but now I just feel like there's just this kind of rising tide that is happening and and I think people are just are starting to really realize that look, there is this other way. There is another path that's more compassionate, it's more healthy and it's better for our planet. Yeah, and I want to commend you Sonia for making your podcast only a, did you say a third plant-based? Mm-hmm. It depends on the month. Sometimes it's a little bit more, but sometimes it's a bit less. <laughs> I think it's really important for bringing a larger crowd in. Because if everything you do is just mountain biking and plant-based nutrition, <laughs> that, well, first of all, it gets old pretty quickly for the majority of people. But it, it's also sort of compartmentalizing yourself into this very tiny niche of society. And people like us need to be doing right now more than anything is getting out of the sort of vegan echo chamber and creating platforms that everybody can feel comfortable coming over with. So if you're talking about mountain biking and lifestyle stuff and motivation and all this other stuff, and then sort of sprinkling in these nice little nuggets of of plant-based lifestyle, I think that is much more effective than the alternative. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. You know, like a lot of people aren't really ready or don't want to go 100% plant-based. And I know that you guys have talked about this on your show as well, but just adding in healthier foods will make a big difference. But a lot of people are athletes that listen to my show and they always have these questions like, well, how do I know I'm getting enough calories? How do I know I'm getting enough protein? What am I supposed to eat while I'm traveling? So like, I'd love to dig into what you guys have discussed. Like, being athletes yourselves and all the research you've done, what like what are your top advice that you give people who are athletes who are interested in changing over to a mostly plant-based or all plant-based diet? <laughs> I think we would both instantly say the same thing, yeah. which would be calories. Yeah. It's sort of a paradox with plant-based where, you know, we it's this caloric density versus nutrient density thing. So switching from a standard diet or just kind of you don't really think about what you're eating necessarily you're just like grabbing it anything and everything to satisfy your enormous ravenous hunger after a six-hour bike ride 
when you do that and then you switch to a, like a whole foods plant-based diet where you're eating beans and kale and potatoes and brown rice and all these things that are extremely healthy and they're extremely nutrient dense, but they're very per weight or per unit of volume, they're very low in calories. So your stomach is not used to that amount of stretch where it's like you're and high in fiber and high, yeah, it's high in fiber, it's high in water. And so the most, the majority of the volume of that food is actually not even calories. Whereas like a huge slice of pepperoni, double meat lover cheese pizza <laughs> is like just for even one small piece, it's like, a, you know, a thousand calories or some ridiculous thing. And so when your stomach is a certain weight or like a, it has a certain capacity and it's used to eating a certain volume of food, you just start slamming that pizza down. And before you know it, you've, you've hit 3000 calories or whatever, but then you eat the same volume in, you know, kale and sweet potatoes and beans and you're full physically, but you're not calorically full. And then you just, over time, you're not getting enough calories. And so that's why a lot of people feel fatigued and low energy and they, potentially develop some deficiencies because they're just not simply eating enough calories. And I just also want to touch on one point you hit on very quickly, which is you said that, you know, most people are not ready to, to fully commit to a fully plant-based diet. And, and I think that's so critical for anyone that's starting on any sort of level of interest in this stuff is that you have to be willing to ease into it because some people like myself and like Aaron and potentially like you are just, we have like these type A obsessive personalities where it's like when we're presented with sufficient evidence, we'll just jump straight into it. But I think it's also very important to understand how to do it, do your research and ease into it. And that's why our kind of like slogan, our motto is go eat some plants. It's not stop eating animal products. It's not eat only plants and nothing else. It's like, just start putting more plants on your damn plate. It's not that hard. You know, it's not that like we want to make it approachable. Yeah. And it's interesting because even people that eat a plant based diet don't eat enough plants some yeah. of the time. And, you know, I'll use myself in his example. Like I try really hard to eat lots of leafy greens and make sure that I'm eating that on a daily basis. But sometimes like yesterday was an example, like I made like a pasta dish that had a bunch of vegetables and tempeh in it but there wasn't any leafy greens on tap. And then I looked at what I ate today and I realized, oh, like I didn't have any leafy greens today either. So it's kind of having a checklist of certain things that you wanna get in your diet on a daily basis and then make sure that you find ways to add those in. Yeah, totally. It's really important to hit all of the sort of essential compartments of the plant-based diet, if you will, right? So we're, we're talking about fruits, and vegetables and whole grains and beans and nuts and seeds in all sorts of different varieties and different ways. And so one way you can sort of look at it at the end of the day is think back to all the meals you had and ask yourself, did you hit some foods from all of those different categories? If you're an athlete, you can do that, but I think that's important, but I think it is much more essential that you're asking yourself, did I get enough fuel to sustain this training load. Because if you don't, it doesn't matter how many greens you're stuffing in your face and beans and all of that, you're going to feel terrible. And so that's really the thing we push the most specifically for athletes and very active people is you've got to eat like a thug, right? You've just got to eat, eat, eat and focus on don't fear the fats, focus on whole plant food fat sources, nuts and seeds, nut butters, avocados, stuff like that, throw it in smoothies. I mean, some days, like like some days when I'm training, I swear I'll have an entire day where the, the only damn thing I ate was almond butter, <laughs> I feel like, because I just can't, I'm just so hungry and I'm just throwing almond butter and everything. So and I, I feel think like it's really important. There's a trend, I think, in potentially a lot of plant-based athletes, vegan athletes, they're obsessed with being a certain leanness or a certain like right. low weight. And so they kind of, for whatever reason, they get this idea that like, fat is very counterproductive to that. And we know from the data and the research that it's not always the case. Sure, if you're eating a ton of processed oils and a processed foods and vegetable oils, olive oils and stuff like that, you know, it's processed food. It's not healthy. It's not really doing anything for you. It's empty calories. It's not real food. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's not food. And so, you know, in terms of hormone synthesis and maintaining a certain... the good levels of body fat, and of course, sustaining your caloric needs, plant-based sources of fat can be great. And I've experimented, and I'm sure Aaron has as well, 
all over the spectrum. I mean, I've gone super yeah. high carb and super low fat and I have sort of, I keep always drifting back to having a fairly high percentage of plant fats in my diet. And that's where I feel my best. And even when I'm training super hard and just like, and I just, my weight just stays constant and maintains throughout the entire year, even it's not like I'm fluctuating that much. And so I think it's very important for people to particularly endurance athletes, like, because like yourself, Sonia, it's like, you're doing these huge races and this huge amount of training and, and you're just going through calories. Like it's, you know, nobody's business and you have to be able to stay on top of that. And we don't want to just be munching kale and like quinoa all day. It's hard to like, we have other things to do in our lives. And that's another thing that we talk about and kind of promote at Thought for Food is like, the food is not the end destination. It's like, we want to be able to understand how it all works and enjoy it and dial it in. But then we want to use that food to fuel epic adventures and live a, a, a meaningful, purposeful, epic life. And so I think you have to sort of balance those two ideas where it's like, do I want to spend all day eating food and stuff? Or do I want to just like get the most bang for my buck in terms of time and money and effort and just eat and then go ride my bike in the mountains for five hours? <laughs> yeah. The other thing I'd add to that too, and something that Jackson in particular talks a lot about is when it comes to caloric density and the importance of, I think, whole plant fats particularly for female athletes mm -hmm. and female endurance athletes, because in the endurance world, we see a real problem with anorexia and then also the female athlete triad and amenorrhea and stuff like that. So when it comes to hormones and maintaining a normal menstrual cycle and giving your body enough energy to do the reproductive cycle and all of that stuff, it's just so important that female endurance athletes in particular are eating enough. And that whole world, I feel like, is rife with disordered eating and things like that because many female athletes want to perform, but they also want to look a certain way or be at a certain weight. And they they can sort of easily run into that, into those negative realms where they're not getting enough calories. Yep, and it's prevalent in, in males as well. I mean, it's just, absolutely. You know, it's, it's obviously the, the female athlete triad is is more focused on females because of course men don't have periods, but it's this kind of vicious cycle where this low energy balance where you're just, you're, you're basically burning more fuel than you're consuming can kind of, whether it's because of disordered eating or just because of high training or, you know, misunderstanding about nutrition or, or whatever it is, can lead to this very low body fat and very low, your hormones get suppressed causing amenorrhea or the loss of your period, which can affect your bone mineral density and can lead to things like early osteoporosis, osteopenia, because estrogen is a very important regulator in bone density for females. So yeah, the caloric density is, is such an important point to stress for any athlete. Yeah, I think that people are hearing this thinking, oh, well, okay, I'm an athlete. I need to make sure I'm eating enough food and I need to make sure I'm eating enough fat. But people are probably wondering, well, what is enough for me and how do I even measure that? And something that I did was, you know, you can use these these online trackers, MyFitnessPal or Fat Secret to track your macronutrients. So I wanted to see, am I actually getting enough calories and enough fat? And you ideally want 20 to 30%, like a minimum of 20% calories coming from fat, but I'm usually closer to 25 to 30% calories from fat. Yeah. And that is coming from like my go-to pre-ride and pre-race is almond butter and bread. And, awesome. uh, and I love avocado toast as a snack. So yeah, like you can track your macros on websites like that. So if people are wondering like, oh, am I even doing a good job eating these things? You can start assessing what you're doing on a weekly basis so that you can feel better that you're eating enough. Totally. And one that we've sort of traditionally used for other podcast episodes is a software called Chronometer. And on Chronometer, I haven't seen the ones that you mentioned, Sonia, so I don't know what those look like. But on Chronometer, you, you know, you put in your age and your sex and your weight, and it's going to calculate your percentages. And you can also say whether you're an athlete and you can say how much you're exercising, et cetera, et cetera. And so it builds those metrics and then you put in everything you eat for the day and it calculates your macronutrient ratios, but all of your micronutrient ratios too. So you can sort of make sure you're hitting enough protein, fat, carbs, calories in general, but also like, did you get enough vitamin A and E and et cetera, et cetera. So that's, thank you for mentioning that because I think that's a really helpful tool. 
And I think at the beginning, that's really helpful because like I said earlier, your body is still not used to eating this way. And so it's a kind of a good insurance policy to like make sure on track. And then you start to really adapt and you you start to understand what real satiation feels like. <laughs> and you really get to, to tune into your body. And I just urge people to really start paying attention to your body and the signals that it's giving you and, and like really eating until you're satisfied and feeling good. And it does take time. And I think people, you know, well, we just live in a world of instant gratification. We want instant results. And so it's not always the instant results, but it's an important tool, I think, for starting out. Well, it's interesting because there are some instant results with some of the literature out there, like people who have health problems within two weeks, they can see a huge difference yeah. in, in their blood work and a bunch of other things. So I think it's really cool that eating a plant-based diet, you can really see like there's tons of awesome stories about people who have had diabetes or heart disease or even just athletes where within two weeks, your body starts regenerating itself. It starts healing itself from all the things that it was suffering from. <laughs> yeah, that it's pretty amazing, actually, how quickly, and you're absolutely right about instant gratification, especially if you're coming from a standard American diet and you sort of do a, a pretty rapid transition to totally plant-based or even mostly plant-based. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're seeing almost instantaneous drops in blood pressure, instantaneous drops in fasting glucose levels, changes in all sorts of markers of inflammation. It's the list is almost endless. And that's just from what you're eating. That doesn't even take into account if you start to be active or start to sort of like reduce your stress. It's just one of the pillars you can hit. But man, it's really the best medicine we have, I think, when it comes to the prevention, management, and even reversal of chronic disease. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the kind of craziest and also coolest parts of this whole thing is it's like on the one hand, you know, if you're an athlete, it's like the this caloric density paradox can be, it's hard. It's kind of an issue that might have to be overcome for some people, but then for people that are obese or overweight or disease, like it is a solution because it, you know, basically you're eating the same amount of food, you're, you're feeling the same amount of satiation in terms of like the amount of food you're eating, but you're eating such less calories that it just drops the weight right off, you know? Very yeah. So cool. I want to ask you guys a question because we talk about evidence base and the research. And I always love asking different guests because people say, oh, well, how do you even know what, what to believe? There's so many different articles out there and there's people saying, well, this is evidence-based and it's contrary to what a plant-based research says. So how would you help people have better judgment as to what to believe and what not to believe? Because I think that that is the biggest hurdle for a lot of people. Thank you for asking that question. It's such a good one. Uh, we always refer people to TMZ and People Magazine. They're the best source of yeah. all the data when it comes to... <laughs> Even the National Enquirer, for those of you in the States, that's a pretty good one. Does that still uh, exist? <laughs> The National Enquirer? Oh, you bet it does. Oh, I bet it's, I bet its sales are flying these days. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's such a freaking important question. And this is something that not always on the podcast, but just in our personal lives, this is, this is almost all we talk about, <laughs> is how do we cut through all of the spurious claims and the BS? And if you're sort of like having a debate with somebody about X diet versus X diet, and they throw a bunch of abstracts at you from PubMed, and then you throw four more at them, and they're like, well, yeah, but look at my data. And then you're like, no, look at mine. You know, and it's just like, <laughs> how do we know? So, like, the lay public, they don't have the slightest clue. I mean, you, you really have to be well-educated in research methodology and all of this stuff to really understand what's good. And so I think what we like to tell, and we just did a podcast with a fantastic scholar in nutritional epidemiology and Michaela Carlson, and, and she goes over how to analyze studies like from a layperson's perspective. So you actually, and how to analyze stuff you hear in the news. So you actually know what's legitimate and what's not. But the most important thing to understand is what we call preponderance of evidence. So it's very, very easy for people to throw one or two individual studies at you saying this, and then you throw a couple studies back. And those are individual studies within a pool of nutrition science where there are literally hundreds of thousands of studies, some of them good, some of them bad. 
And so what you have to understand is what the preponderance of evidence, when you take all of that data and you put it together into some general rules that you can follow, you have to understand what those rules are. And if you understand what those rules are, then when someone makes a specific claim, you can immediately know like, well, that is not representative of this large pool of data that we have. So I'm going to need to see more research on that topic or like, oh, that's an interesting study, but we need to repeat that as opposed to, oh God, that really throws the whole sort of plant-based thing in the toilet. Like now I don't know what to do, so I'm going to go paleo next week. What would you add to that, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of hits the nail on the head. And I think it's also like, well, you can, of course, get so you know, nitty gritty and stuff. And I think a very common kind of argument that people throw at you is like, well, you know, correlation doesn't equal causation. And so one thing that that we always kind of talk about is like, well, where there's smoke, there's fire. And so if we have this preponderance of evidence from the mechanism all the way from the very micro to the macro. And so if we zoom in super close into the micro and we look at mechanisms of action, you know, what is actually going on physiologically where in the lab or, you know, in medical clinical trials, like they're doing tests on cells and they're looking at the ways that, you know, vitamin D is synthesized in the body and, and, you know, what sources of vitamin D are best or what is broccoli actually doing when exposed to cancer cells in a Petri dish. And we can look at that data, but that doesn't really tell us that much. That's one little pixel on the computer screen of nutrition science. And then we can go a step further and look at randomized controlled trials of humans in getting randomly assigned to diets and seeing, oh, what happens when we, you know, there's a group of diabetics, of type 2 diabetics given plant-based diet or the typical American Diabetes Association diet or a control. And what happens then? Oh, the plant-based population does better. Their hemoglobin A1C, which is kind of a long-term marker of blood glucose control, improves. Boom. That's cool. That's another pixel in the computer screen of data. Then we go a step further and we look at epidemiological research like the Epic Oxford study or the Seventh-day Adventist trials where we're looking at like literally thousands or hundreds of thousands of people looking at what their diet or their lifestyle habits are we can use statistical magical science to, and put that into a computer and find these through lines that are not just a, a single univariate analysis of correlation, but there's literally hundreds of lines of correlation. And so we can paint this picture. And they're all picture. statistically significant. Exactly. They all are not due to chance. You know, it's not just random chance that people that eat this kinds of diets are healthy because of diet. It's like there's, we can figure out if they're significant based on statistical measures. And so we can paint this picture of what's going on here. But then, so that kind of, in a lot of ways, just that huge picture really discredits a single study of five people that shows that eggs are healthy, you know? And so it's important to, and it's hard, it's not easy. And it takes a lot of like experience and time to really look at all these studies. But there are people that are doing that and it's very beneficial to get a, a big broad sense of the data and so that's why we say when there's smoke there's fire when there's all of these kind of things pointing into one direction it's there's probably a reason for that and so i think that's probably the best way we have to do it right now yeah and and because you asked how do people actually know? And I mentioned like preponderance of evidence. So people want to know what the hell is the preponderance of evidence then? Here's what we can say with scientific certainty right now, like in 2018, is without a doubt, diets that are based primarily in whole plant foods seem to be the healthiest for human beings in terms of longevity, chronic disease prevention, chronic disease reversal, all of that stuff. We can't say with scientific certainty that a totally vegan diet is the best diet for humans. And a lot of, we take sort of a contrarian point of view, in the, which makes us a little bit controversial in the vegan movement, but we have to stick to the science and be honest about what it actually tells us. We can't say for certain that a vegan diet is any better than, say, like a more blue zones type diet. Blue zones are these sort of epidemiological pockets, populations around the world where people live the longest, have the least like disabling chronic disease. They all eat in a very similar way, which is that they eat 
about 90% of their calories from whole plant foods, and they get about 10, 5% to 10% of calories from animal products. That's the best we have right now. And one of those blue zones happens to be the Seventh-day Adventists. They live in Loma Linda, California. A small subset of that population is, so some of them are omnivores, some of them are vegetarians, some of them are vegans. The vegans tend to do better than the vegetarians and also do quite a bit better than the omnivores, which is interesting, but we just can't say with any certainty that a diet of 90% plants is better than a diet of 100% plants. That's the preponderance of evidence. So when people come and make claims like a totally low carb diet that is just all animal products is much better for you than a plant-based diet, that is in no way reflective of the state of the evidence right now. And any nutrition science professional worth their salt will tell you that with total certainty. So that's what we know now. And maybe things will change in a little while, but that's why we push this message of like, just eat as many damn plants as you can stuff in your face. <laughs> And don't worry about the small details if you're only coming at this from a health perspective. If you care about the environment and you care about issues of morality and ethics as they pertain to animals, you'd want to go all the way totally plant-based and we can help you do that. But if it's just about health, if you can get to like 80, 90% plant-based, you're going to live just as long as we are. I think it's a good point to talk about longevity because a lot of people will look at like keto or paleo or some of these other diets where they'll see people have great levels of success where, oh, well, suddenly they're losing weight. Suddenly, like this person feels way better because they lost tons of weight. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a healthy long-term solution for them. Like when you're looking at diet, you want to say, okay, is this a diet or is this something that I can eat every day for the rest of my life and still be healthy? Right. We want to make this sustainable and we want to make this a long-term thing. And you're right. And I think also something I'm very interested in is like, well, yeah, lifespan is is one thing, but health span is what we should really be focusing on and, and actually making those years high quality and enjoyable. And so I think a lot of people have this misconception that a plant-based diet is this restrictive, absolutely miserable way of living. And that's just <laughs> not the case. Like, it's just, that's just literally false. I mean, yeah, you can make it as miserable as you want. And if you don't like kale, you don't have to eat kale. You can eat, you know, collards and spinach. And but like, I mean, at least the way I eat, I enjoy it so much. Like, I love it. But I think that, sure, maybe in a theoretical, hypothetical thought experiment, there is some diet that's like a something that we haven't quite found yet. That's like just pure salmon eggs. That's it. Like, it's just <laughs> it's just salmon eggs. Like, a hundred percent diet full of just salmon roe. Those little things just pop in your mouth all day. <laughs> Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Just uh, the thing is, you have to eat like a freaking pound of them to get enough calories. But literally, if you do this from the time that you're twenty to however long, you'll live until you're like two hundred. Okay, this is the thought experiment. This is the theoretical situation. This is probably not true, but this, I'm just I'm posing this as a, as a thought experiment. That would be f miserable. And like, but sure, you'll live to 200. How awesome is that? So I think that it's like, what's more important to you? Is it living longer or is it enjoying and being healthy and not getting to age 80 or 70, 80, 90 and being debilitated by chronic disease because you've just built up this body that's just kind of being riddled by the effects of excess animal protein and not enough plant foods in your diet and I think, you know, when it comes to like things like keto and paleo and stuff, and I think a big reason why people get results like that is that it is an improvement in from their standard American diet. And they are cutting out a lot of processed foods. And by eliminating carbohydrates, essentially from the diet, you're basically clearing your body out of glycogen, which comes, you know, paired and coupled with water weight. And so you drop that water weight, you drop that stored glycogen in your liver and muscles and boom, there's five, 10 pounds but then it just comes back. And then you start to get overloaded with nitrogen in your body and you start to develop gout and you develop heart disease and your cholesterol starts going up and all of these things. And I don't care how long like I live in that way. I don't want to live like that. That doesn't sound enjoyable to me. I want to be feeling light and fit and energetic. And I think there's also just such a benefit to know that like I am basically making myself heart attack proof 
and that I don't have to worry about that. And I'm doing the best I possibly can, at least from what the data shows, to prevent some of the top chronic diseases that afflict our Western world. Yeah, like knowing that you have that control and most people think that they don't have control over getting heart disease and some types of cancer. But like for me, it was a big deal knowing that I personally could make a choice and could have control. I love control. I'm a control freak. So like being able most to athletes make, are. <laughs> make those choices for me and know that, hey, I'm going to give myself the best chance possible. And like you mentioned health span, and I don't know if you heard that from John Robbins book, Healthy at 100, but I highly recommend that the listeners check that book out. It's not a vegan book. It's not a book about plant-based diet, but it's about how people in these societies around the world, much like the blue zones, live to be age 100 and how they're not like decrepit 100-year-olds. It's like he was going around and seeing these 100-year-olds and they look like they're like 60 because they were in shape and they're using their bodies. Yeah. And I know that all of us listening to the show want that for ourselves. Like people say, oh, I don't want to live to age 100, but it's because their view of what age 100 yeah. looks like is completely skewed. But if you go to other countries, people look different in their older age, especially in Asia and some of these other places where the incidences of these Western diseases is much lower. Yeah, I mean, you go to Okinawa, although not modern day Okinawa, because it looks a lot like America now, but, you know, Okinawa 50 years ago, the people hunt centenarians walking around that's the average and these people are doing tai chi and yoga walking around all day getting up early they're flexible they're not you know decrepit they don't use walkers they're just great you know a social environment and they laugh they have fun i mean very 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 different than the elderly population in our country and probably in canada and anywhere in the developed world right now in the west I think, unfortunately, people people have the very wrong idea about what it looks like to age. And, and I think a lot of people assume that you have to be hypertensive and diabetic and have kidney stones and not be able to walk by the time you're 70. And that's just one, purely a product of the way we live and the way we eat here. So I think it goes a long way to study you know, blue zone populations, because then you really see it. I mean, it's just right there in front of your eyes. Like, wow, that just doesn't have to be my fate. And they can control for genetics. It's not all genetics. It, it plays a role, maybe 20%, but the rest of it is lifestyle. So we can all do that. You don't have to be afraid of, of aging. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if you guys have actually done the research. I haven't, and it's something I've wanted to do is, okay, yeah, so we have the book, The Blue Zones, and we see these areas in the world where people are living to age 100, but I haven't checked to see if there's other populations that are living long and healthy lives that are not eating a plant-based diet, because I've only been looking for positive confirmations in terms of aging. I haven't actually spent the time in, in other cultures to see, oh, well, is there a paleo culture where people are living to age 100? Yeah, that's a good question. We should get Dan Butner on the line. Maybe we can radio in. You yeah. want to call yeah. up Dan yeah. Butner real quick? And Dan, <laughs> come on. What's the deal? Well, you know, I can't say for certain, but I can tell you that when they were doing the Blue Zones research, they were looking for all of the populations on Earth mm -hmm. that live long, healthy lives free of disease. And those are the ones they settled on. Okinawa and, you know, Loma Linda and Nicoya Peninsula, Costa Rica and et cetera, et cetera. So, I feel like if there were other populations that were doing different things, but still having a high rate of centenarians and low chronic disease, they would have picked up on that. And then they would have found like, oh, this is interesting. So some of these people are plant-based. Some of them eat nothing but whale blubber, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Like the, there seems to be a lot of uh, diversity in what the body can handle, but that hasn't been the case it seems to be that you really need to eat mostly plants. That's my take on it. Yeah. And again, I think also, you know, these, even the, the blue zones aren't completely vegan. We, we don't have any, there hasn't ever been a long standing, long term vegan population right. anywhere in the world. And there's never been a paleo population in the world. And um, at least modern day, at least modern day. And, paleo, and, yeah. well, and, and especially like, yeah, modern paleo day pancakes. Yeah. Paleo pancakes and, <laughs> and, you know, like, bacon energy bars and stuff we don't we yeah we don't see populations eating that stuff the the primal blueprint bars but i think that the key there is like again it's it's just one piece of data and what's cool about dan butner is he's not vegan you know he's so he has at least i don't think so and i think so i think he's, he's 
pretty unbiased in this approach. But I think that the important point to stress here is that this isn't the end of the conversation. You know, this is just one component of the data that we can look at and say, okay, this is what, you know, even if there are other populations that are eating purely whale blubber as a result of like the hard places that they live and et cetera, et cetera, like this is a big piece of data that we should pay attention to and then put that into our little box with the mechanisms of action, the other epidemiological data, the randomized controlled trials, the, you know, the, the prospective cohort studies, all these things, because it just helps us paint the picture. And I think that another common argument that people make is like, oh, well, what about the Inuit? That's yeah, the one. Maasai, the, Maasai the Maasai tribes. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like, I don't think that they live very long. I don't think that they're very healthy, at least the data I've seen on them. But you can't just pull that one group of people that live in a completely different way than you and claim that that's how we should all eat in America. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I really want to have Dan on the show. We're like oh, in- Instagram awesome. buddies, but like I, I like, yeah, I love that guy. He's awesome. He sure is. Yeah. So like I want to move on and talk about one uh, last topic. And it's a question that people email me about a lot because I travel pretty much all the time. And I know that you guys do a fair share of that yourselves. So like people say, oh, well, how do I eat plant-based if I'm traveling? Like, how do I make healthy choices? And I've told people a lot of what I do, but I'd like to hear what you guys do. I just fast for my entire trip. (laughs) I don't eat. He just does uh, zero calories. Yeah, when Um, I was in the Alps over the summer riding some of these huge mountains, I just didn't eat. Yeah, you're on your, your male eating disorder, your, your uh, yeah. c- cyclo... <laughs> Chef AJ was on the show and she coined the term cyclorexia. <laughs> oh, cyclorexia. That's totally, awesome. And, and totally like, using that. And she wants it to be like a, a word so bad. She's like, please, this I want to make up my own word. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. That's funny. Well, Jackson, you have... I mean, we can both talk about this, but you have the most recent sort of international travel experience and had an awesome trip doing some very difficult physical things in the Alps this summer. So talk about what you learned. Yeah. So I guess just a little background on my trip. I basically was in Europe for six weeks over the summer and I was with two of my friends who are also vegan. One of them is a very high level cyclist that has been vegan since birth. He's never eaten meat in his life. And can you we, say who he is? Yeah. Ian Moore. Shout out to Igmore. Shout uh, out. Igmore. If you're listening, Igmore, we love you. I love you so much, dude. (laughs) Send me some more naked pics. Um, He got his tooth back, so he's going to look great. Oh, he doesn't have his teeth back. Oh, really? He's getting them soon. He had an accident um, on the bike a couple years ago, and he's been going through a a bit of a, 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 like an ordeal with like getting his, his gums and because he broke actually part of the bones on his face. And so anyway, long story, he wouldn't even want me to be telling the story, but uh, (laughs) he's, he's a great dude, but he, him and I, and my friend Griff, who's a Welshman, we traveled to the Alps and we watched some of the Tour de France. And then we did like all of the big epic climbs. So the classic like Alpe d'Huez, Stelvio, Gavia Pass, the Croix de Fer. I mean, we did it all. Motorola. We did the Motorola. Yeah. And so it was just this insanely phenomenal trip. And we were just riding every day, like, you know, five, six, seven hours a day. And like, it was crazy. So, but of course we were in Europe. So it wasn't like a, you know, a third world country where it'd probably be a lot harder to eat a plant-based diet, but that's not to say we didn't have any difficulties. You know, I think the big thing that that I really found was that there's this app called Happy Cow, which is just awesome. And it's so useful and like all it works all over the world. And it's just this, it's kind of like Yelp or Google Maps where you just plug in your location and it gives like a range of all the different like vegan friendly restaurants, vegetarian friendly restaurants, like grocery stores that have vegan options. And it's so awesome. I use that app all the time. It's amazing. It's It's a lifesaver. It was literally a lifesaver. We used it like every day. You can even select restaurants that just serve beef. Yeah. That's it. If you're looking for, if you're just doing an all beef diet, just select Well, that's what got me onto the salmon roe diet. You know, in in France, all they eat is is freaking salmon eggs. So, but yeah, so a combination of that and just eating very simply. And I, I eat very simply as it is. And I sort of, I'm definitely like a nerd when it comes to nutrition science and like optimizing my diet, but I sort of like, kind of went through some self-talk before that trip and was just like, okay, Jackson, it's going to be okay. You're just going to be burning a ridiculous amount of calories. You're just going to be riding. Like you don't have to like 
hit the perfect like Dr. Gregor daily dozen <laughs> target every single day, like just eat. And then when you get back, you can just have as many smoothie bowls as you as your heart desires. And so we just ate like baguettes all day, <laughs> like baguettes and like canned beans and muesli basically was like the composition of our diet. And so a lot of those things you can find everywhere and you just like go into any grocery store and find muesli and, you know, soy milk and almond milk are, be, are becoming so prevalent over there even. And, and there's even like tons of amazing grocery stores that are just purely organic. The entire grocery store is organic and they're called, at least in France, like bio is what is, is organic. And I think happy cow is very important. I think also just simplifying your diet and recognizing that you're not going to be able to eat the way that you normally do, but that you can still eat in a very you know practical way. And so we did eat a lot of bread and fruit. And in places like Italy in the summer, I mean, like you just walk down the street and there's these markets with like amazing produce and fruit that it's super cheap. And you just give the guy five euro and he gives you a basket of like tangerines. And you're like, yes. I think that people, it is daunting and it is overwhelming because like you said, I think people that are interested in like going fully vegan and that are athletes are inherently like type A, very control freak kind of people just have to let go. You just have to be <laughs> willing to go with the flow, not necessarily know that each of your meals are going to be 100% perfect. And even if you do like completely vegan the whole time, but I've been in situations like in Thailand last year where I was like, I have no idea what I'm eating. This is like, I'm in some <laughs> hole in the wall Thai restaurant that like I said, veggie soup. I pointed to the like thing that looked like vegetable soup with my Google translator. <laughs> and the guy is just like, oh yes, okay. And he just gives me the, the bowl and I'm like, awesome. And like, I'm like, is this a mushroom or is this like a fish? I can't tell, I'm just gonna eat it. And so in that situation, like you don't have to like freak out and just throw away your food just eat it. It's not the end of the world. You're not going to just self combust because you're <laughs> not perfectly vegan. So I guess just to close with that is that like, you have to just be willing to kind of accept that not everyone is going to eat like Palo Alto vegan American, you know, 20 something year old. So it's, I think it's just about practice and experience and and also opening yourself up to different kinds of foods that you might not eat. Like one of my favorite things we ate in Italy was these giganti beans that are just like everywhere and you can just get them in these in cans and we just eat them by the can with like a baguette and that's fine. Like satisfied me. Yeah. Just a few little things that I would add like practical tips. So you use the app. I didn't have that, you know, back in the day when I was sort of traveling solo, I didn't have that app. But, you know, you just stick with foods that are like universally identifiable. So you know what fruits are and you know what vegetables look like. You may encounter some like different grains, but you can point out rice and shit like that. Right. And you can you know what beans look like and nuts and seeds. Once you get good at just sort of like finding the places to go, so the little markets where they maybe sell stuff in bulk and you have a cooking setup in your hostel, you know, like you can pick all that stuff together, make meals out of it that are just really simple and cheap. And then also just, you know, like if you're going out to restaurants, just do the best you can. Like I, th I think most places you travel will have an English translation on the menu under most of the stuff that you order because they have patrons that are traveling that, you know, speak English. So I've never had a lot of trouble in restaurant situations figuring that out because English is such a universal language. You know, most people can just kind of figure out like what it is that you want. And also if you are clearly stating that you're an American or even a Canadian, I think a lot of people, especially in third world countries, they just sort of assume that you either have like 10 different allergies, you know, or you're going to be like really picky about your food because you have the resources and the time to, to actually be to actually care, whereas most people are just trying to get enough calories to survive. So they kind of see that coming and they're like, all right, well, this American is either could care less about what I'm going to give them or they're vegetarian or maybe they're vegan or maybe, you know, they're on an Atkins diet if they even know what that is. But God. You know, so I've never, I've never had a ton of issues in restaurant situations, but when you're really like out there in the dirt, like 
traveling by train and rickshaw and you don't know where anything is and nobody speaks, you know, like you have no idea what anybody is saying. Try to focus on those foods that you can easily identify. And if you want to maintain control, everything, just buy it all separately and buy it from markets in, in bulk. Where you're going to run into trouble is when you're like getting food from street markets yeah. because you just don't know. It's also a great way to get sick, but you just don't know what they're putting food and lots of things are lost in translation. And, you know, maybe you meant no beef, but they thought you meant extra beef. <laughs> so they put a ton in there, but you thought it was tofu. I, you know, there are a lot of ways that that can can go wrong. So you just have to keep your wits about you. But once you get used to sort of doing it, it's you have your sort of go to strategies and you can stick to those. And I mean, literally everywhere I've been in the world since I've gone vegan I've found like an amazing vegan restaurant, yeah. or, you know, and like, especially and, now, but, especially now, like I was amazed when I was in Europe, like the first place I went to in the Alps, like it was literally a two minute walk from our Airbnb in the middle of this like small Alps town called Grenoble in France. And it was like, they made this like amazing, like huge bowl with like mushrooms and different veggies. And they were like talking to us. They just like, were like, oh, we never really get that many customers here, but we just are so passionate about like vegan food and blah, blah, blah. And like, it was amazing. And I also had kind of another funny story. I just wanted to, to say that like, you can have fun and like, just not take it too seriously. Like one of my favorite memories actually from the Alps was we we're doing this like ridiculously long ride where we did the Gabbia and the Mortarolo pass in one day, which is <sighs> like these two big mountains in Italy. And, and also what's weird about Europe is like, there's certain times of the day and certain days of the week where like the town just shuts down completely. And like everyone just goes to sleep or like leaves or something like it just, it seems like everyone's gone. And so nothing's open. And I was like dying of like hunger at the bottom of the Mortarolo about to go up the Gavia. And I'm like, I don't have any food. I'm like dead. And so I like bought a Coke at some like little cafe that was open. And literally the only other place that was open was this like little general store and they had some freshly baked bread. And so all they had, like, I just wanted a piece. And the guy's like, no, 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 I give, I give you the whole loaf. And he, so I had this huge loaf of like whole wheat bread of course, I have nowhere to put it in my jersey. So I, but I have this like handlebar pack that I carry like yes. extra clothes in. I just stuff it in there, leave it open, and I'm just riding up the Gavia and I'm passing the bread out to different people and we're eating it up the climb. And like, it was definitely like a gut fiber bomb and I didn't feel that great. But like, hey, it was calories and it's just a great story. And we were laughing the whole time. But you just have to kind of, be able to like have a little bit of flexibility and just kind of roll with the punches. Yeah. Don't be a psycho. Yeah. Just don't be a psycho. It'll ruin your whole trip. Yeah. And I wanted to add, I realized that maybe this might be the first episode that people are listening to. So I wanted to add in my quick travel tips as well, and I'll keep it to traveling within North America and my, how I navigate through airports. So mm. number you one, are just, I would love to hear all of your tips. <laughs> I know we probably don't have time, but you are just a travel demon. Like, like <laughs> every time I see a post from you, you are in another country. And I'm just like, what, how does she do it? Uh, I have lots of energy for my diet. Come on, guys. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but All okay, so, so number one, I like, <laughs> I pre-make a lot of food for the travel day because travel days can be unpredictable. So I literally like have a giant cloth grocery bag with disposable plastic containers and I'll cook like all my food the night before. And if you're traveling across borders, so I travel Canada, US quite often, make sure the, the veggies are cooked because you can bring like cooked beets and cooked broccoli and some tofu and some rice and whatever yeah, sauce across the border. Number two, if you're, uh, say you didn't have time to make your own food or you ran out of food, which happens sometimes, Whenever I'm in the airport, I always look for Asian or Mexican places because yeah. if you find a Mexican place, they always have rice and beans and salsa. And like my go-to stop in the Seattle airport is Qdoba because I can get brown rice, black beans, guacamole, salsa, and sometimes they have veggies. So like that's an easy go-to. Another easy go-to in the Vancouver airport is like I'll go to, there's this little like Asian place. And Asian places always have the staples that you need too. So I would say that just pick these places and usually you can do it a custom bowl or a custom meal. It doesn't have to be on the menu and just find the places that are gonna have the ingredients that you're looking for. And it's really easy to throw it together. Boom. Boom. And then like, 
I always have almond butter with me because it's actually hard to find nut butters in certain countries and even yeah. in certain places and it can be oh, really yeah, expensive. I couldn't find peanut butter anywhere in like France or something. I know, it's insane. So frustrating. So like, it's like have almond butter while travel. I always have that with me because you can always find bread. And so like bread and mm. almond butter, if you like that stuff. I mean, imagine being a vegan that had a nut allergy, that would suck. Oh. But. Yeah, that's like a major go-to. So I just wanted to add in just a few things that I do that have been really helpful for me. Yeah, and you could throw and nut butter is great because you can buy little nut butter packets. Like there's so many companies now that make like small single packets serves. of single yeah. serve things. It's perfect. You don't have to. I think some people are probably like, well, I I can't carry a jar of nut butter around with me. No, you just get the packets. I, there are a bunch of companies I can't think of any of them, but uh, Justin's, Justin's nut butter yeah. does it. Yeah, yeah, Justin's and I think Nutso is another one but yeah that's that's so that's so critical so they don't let you do raw raw produce right across the borders that's the big hang up yeah that's the no-no is uh, one okay. time i had an avocado in the back of my car it had like rolled under the seat and i wasn't aware <laughs> of it and i was driving across the border and they stopped and wanted to search my car and they found this avocado and i was like in huge trouble because i said i didn't have anything oh, and then later i was applying for a nexus pass which allows you to go across the border with less hassle and the guy was like oh well do you have anything to tell me about one of your border crossings any trouble you might have had and i was <laughs> like no i was like no like I mean, I didn't think that that <laughs> sounds would be like the like, damn principal of your like middle school. I know. And I was like, you... no, I have nothing to tell you. He's like, you've never once had anybody say anything to you maybe about something in your like car. an avocado. Maybe? Yeah. And I was like, I had an avocado once and the guy got all like, you know, like some people have their ego trips and he's like, I could deny you your Nexus pass because you did not tell me this information. It's like, God. dude, I had like a half rotten avocado <laughs> under my seat. Like, well, I, that's hardly a, a, like a something bad. Sonia, you're a hardened criminal at this point. I know. Smuggling, <laughs> smuggling half-eaten, you know, rotten <laughs> avocados. Uh, that's it's dangerous stuff. And there's a there's a special place in hell for people like you. That's right. That's right. And plus, you know, I might be eating too much fat. I should probably lay off yeah. those avocados. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Thanks for those tips. I'm gonna take some of those with me. Yeah, well, thanks so much for coming on the show, guys. It was great yeah. to, to chat with you. Of course. Of course. Always a pleasure. We, we feel like we do so much interviewing of other people. It's always nice to be on the on the other side. So thanks for having us on. It was a pleasure. Yeah, and uh, people can check out your podcast. I'll put that in the show notes. But Thought for Food, where else would you recommend uh, people check you guys out? It's your job, Jackson. All right, it's always my job. Yeah, so you're the marketing guy. <laughs> the marketing guy. Yes, we also. I also make uh, YouTube videos on YouTube, I guess, which is yeah, where you make YouTube videos. Thought for Food TV. You can just search up Thought for Food TV. There's a lot of different cool stuff on there, and follow us on Instagram at TFF Lifestyle. We also have a really awesome um, private Facebook group. It's called Thought for Food Club. And there's like over 400 people in there, like awesome conversations, recipes, science and, and stuff like that. And if you want to get kind of like a, we send out every week a really cool email newsletter that kind of like hits you with kind of what we're interested in that week, whether it's like a specific nutrition research article or a video or an, a different podcast, like we share that. So you can go do, check that out on our website, tfflifestyle.com and put your email in. And yeah, we're out there in the in the ether somewhere but yeah check us out podcast is kind of our main thing though that's sort of our nexus yeah cool <laughs> yeah i need to sign up for your guys's newsletter i didn't realize you had one so learn something new new. every day yeah it's pretty new <laughs> awesome cool thanks guys have a great week and we'll see you and be li i'll be listening to you on your show yeah thanks so awesome. much sonia okay. bye What'd you guys think? Do you like Jackson and Aaron? I think that they're pretty rad. I think that they're pretty funny. And I think that they're very knowledgeable. I wish that I sounded as well-spoken as they do whenever they speak about plant-based nutrition, but it's really great to have resources like them. And you can check out their podcast. You can speak with them directly. They're really cool people, and they're just really interested in helping make the world better. Speaking of other people trying to make the world better, I picked up the No Meat Athlete Cookbook and they also have their own podcast as well, but I really like the cookbook because there's some really tasty recipes in there. And I think that a big part of eating a plant-based diet is keeping diversity in your diet and keeping it fun. 
And it requires, in some cases, a lot of cooking, but the cooking doesn't have to be complicated. But for me, I keep it fresh and exciting by always buying new cookbooks. So I love the cookbooks, Oh, She Glows, both of those. I love the kitchen. I just picked up Dr. Greger's new cookbook, How Not to Die. Um, so there's a book and a cookbook. So yeah, if you just keep it fun and interesting and are willing to try new things, I think that you can figure out exactly what you like and it never gets boring. Secretly, I want to put together my own cookbook. So that might be a project on the longer term horizon, but that is something that has been crossing my mind, especially because I love cooking and especially because I have a lot of my own recipes. Big props to my people on Patreon. Thank you so much for supporting the show financially. A lot of people are putting in about four bucks a month and that makes a big difference. Like it really does help grow the show. It really helps me move forward and just get better at what I do. I'm always open to feedback. I love getting better. I don't mind constructive criticism because you guys are the ones that have to listen to me. So if there's something that I can do better, please don't hesitate to email me and let me know. If you guys are interested in sort of the day-to-day -day of my life as a plant-based athlete, make sure that you follow my Instagram because in the Instagram stories, I usually am posting videos whenever I'm cooking or posting smoothie recipes or just posting pictures of snacks because sometimes it's hard to know what people are actually eating and it might seem like, oh, I'm tired of eating avocado toast or I'm tired of eating almond butter. I wanna see what else you eat for snacks or what you eat before a ride. So I like to share that stuff on there. So I'm looking forward to connecting with you there. Big thanks to Health IQ, our podcast sponsor. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for athletes and health conscious people like us. It's actually probably one of the only places where people actually care about your Strava, insert joke, but seriously, they actually look at how much you exercise, they look at your diet, and for people like us who actually care about our health, we actually get rewarded for it, so that's awesome. So if you wanna get a quote and see how much money you can save, go to healthiq.com slash Sonia or mention my name, Sonia, whenever you're speaking with an agent. That's it, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show today and wishing you all the best success in your training and adventures. And we'll see you right back here next week.